Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast today. Just a minute, we're going to jump into a lesson I think is really, really going to be helpful uh, to many, many people. I think it is repeatable and it's usable, and I think it will help many of you in your leadership, but also help you uh, help others to lead well. But before I do that, I want to put a couple of things on your radar screen. One is August 9th. I will be in Miami, Florida at a dear friend. Uh, church, and we are be doing the Breaking the 500 Barrier. Uh, to me, this is the most strategic teaching that any pastor needs on the subject of church. It deals with the growth obstacles. It deals with the various kinds of change. It deals with the laws of change. It is just fabulous teaching on managing and growing a church. What's interesting to me is that we have many people who are beyond 500 that are coming to this because they want to uh, just revisit some of the skills that you need in a church as a whole. And then on September 28th, I'm going to be in Canton, Ohio doing a roundtable. And I know just based on uh, the looks we get from our podcast, there's a lot of you in the Ohio area, and I want to encourage you to come. You can sign up on my webpage, geraldbrooksministries.com, but we will be covering some great material. One of the lessons, the difference between the anointing and adrenaline, I'm telling you, it's gold. It will be something you will like. But then on October 21st and 22nd, we are hosting our pastor's conference, our leadership conference, the North Texas Leadership Conference at our church in Plano, Texas. Now, I need to be transparent with you. Uh, all of our full registrations are totally sold out. They are totally sold out. But we have partial registrations that allow you to come, that allow you to hear. And I'm telling you, the material we're going to cover is just going to be outstanding. I know one of my lessons will be uh, how COVID has changed the church forever. It's a series of ways that COVID has changed the church. And if you're going to be overseeing a church, you've got to know these things. So you can call Katie Palmer at 972-985-1112 and register a partial uh, registration, and she will go over all the details, but we would love to have you here. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about the unspoken rules, the unspoken rules. Before I jump into the unspoken rules, I want to give you an example. If you went to First Chronicles, I believe it's around uh, chapter 13 and verse 10, you would read the story of David as the ark is being brought back to Israel. As it's being brought back, there's a scene where a man named Yuza is going to reach up and touch the ark. When he does, he's going to instantly die. Now, to a lot of people, this just seems like God's such a bad God. God's such a mean God. But here's the deal. God was very straightforward from the very beginning when the ark was created. 
that that was going to be a very, very holy and dramatic encounter with God. It was there according to all the rabbinical writings that Moses would literally stand before the Ark of the Covenant where the two cherubim would look over, uh, you know, where the drop of blood and there it was that God would speak to him. But here's the thing about Yusa. He ignored the unspoken rules. And the unspoken rules were this. There was a way that the Ark was to be carried. There was a way that you responded to the ark. Now, the thing about unspoken rules is they have been spoken, but most people don't acknowledge them. And what happened with Yusa is what happens to most leaders when it comes to the unspoken rules. When you violate them, it's at great consequence. The consequences are great. So, I want to jump in to some of the unspoken rules that leaders need to just wrap their arms around and know that those rules cannot be violated in any way, that those rules have to be a part of the life and the lifestyle of a leader. Number one is this, talk to God more than you talk to anyone else. Talk to God more than you talk to anyone else. Here's the thing. In life, there's so many communication opportunities. There's so many means of communication. People text, people Facebook, people Instagram, TikTok, all of these kinds of venues that are out there. But here's the thing that you need to understand is that when you are out there, the person you need to communicate to more than anyone else is God. I know that sounds simple. I know that sounds like, duh, you're serious. But what I'm saying is, you begin to look over your communication patterns. Who are you communicating with more than you communicate with God? Who are you spending time talking to more then you talk to God. Who are you going out there and just putting communication out there more? Here's what I've learned. You have to pray more and talk less. So, for me to lead, I've got to make sure that I do not violate the unspoken rule of talking to God first, of talking to God regularly, of spending time with God and being devoted to God. And when I say these words, I know some of you think, well, he's being a little bit mystical. But what I'm talking about is your heart being in a place that is verbalizing life in a way that you are constantly in the presence of God. I think Paul put it this way in 1 Thessalonians. He said, to pray without ceasing, to always be in an ongoing communication mode with God. Number one, talk to God more than you talk to anyone else. Two, master what matters. Master what matters. What does this mean? Master what matters? It means that you win on the inside. See, here's the danger for every leader. When outside success exceeds your inward success, you end up losing. 
and see if you're a talented leader, you are going to have success. If you're a diligent leader, you are going to have success. But where the danger is, is when what's happening on the outside becomes greater than what's happening on the inside. And when the outside becomes greater than the inside, what happens is you tend to implode. Now, a part of my ministry is is that I help other ministers. I live my life based on a very simple vision, and that is to make heaven bigger and the kingdom of God better. I make heaven bigger by reaching out to lost people. I make the kingdom of God better by helping pastors. But when I talk to pastors, many times they are beginning to implode. And it's because all the outward is working, but the inward is not. I used to tell my son during pivotal games in baseball, win on the inside. Don't let the inside of you get compressed, no matter what the pressure is, win on the inside of you. Just win on the inside of you. Here it is. You've got to be in a place that you master what matters. And the external, that will happen. But the external can never be sacrificed to the internal. So you can never let the internal be sacrificed to the external. I think I said that backwards just a minute ago, so let me repeat it. You can never let the internal be sacrificed to the external. Master what matters. Number three, balance is a myth. Balance is a myth. Now, I'm going to cause some controversy here because one of the questions when I am around pastors and pastors begin to ask me and I'm around their families is I get asked this question. Basically, how do you maintain balance? And the first thing I think is important is that you understand that balance is a myth. Something is always out of balance. In your life, something's always out of balance. The key is that it can't be the same thing all the time. I want you to get it. Sometimes what I do at my church requires amount of time that isn't realistic for me to keep giving. But for a short period of time, I can give that amount of time. But if I were to give that amount of time all the time, I would create a problem. I would create personal problems. I would create home problems. So one of the things when we talk about balance is that you realize sometimes there's always something that's out of balance. So my family may be at a critical point and I need to give more time there and I need to give less time here. See, the season you're in determines the kind of balance you need. So, when you have three young toddlers at home, what is required then is different than if you have no kids at home. 
If your church is starting and you're starting from the ground up, what is required then is different if a church has maturity and has developed leaders within it. So, what I'm saying to you is to understand that balance, if we're going to use that phrase, there's always something out of balance. It just can't be the same thing. So, the guy who is out of balance with his work and he never tries to bring that down in any way, we know the outcome. He's going to destroy his family. He's going to destroy his marriage. He's going to destroy himself. What am I saying? That person's out of balance not because something is out of balance just one time, it's out of balance all the time. So, the season you're in determines it. So, you tell me the season you're in, and I will tell you that when you have young kids, balance looks one way. When you have teenage kids, it looks another way. When you have no kids, it looks a different way. When your church is young, it looks one way. When your church is mature, it looks a different way. You've got to understand that the thing God asks is that nothing is out of balance all the time. So, just understand something's always more or less. Just make sure what's more isn't always the more. The next principle is this. It's what we do. It's what we do. That's a phrase in the Brooks house. It's what we do. And that phrase describes habits that we have created. These are the external disciplines that we have created in our life, in our ministry, in our family, in our devotion, and the way we put it around our house, it's what we do. And the reason we say it's what we do is that most people struggle with habits and the reason they struggle with habits is because they're always trying to go back and create that habit. When you just make the decision, it's what I do. Every day, there are certain things I'm going to do. Every day, I'm going to do them. There's not a day I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it every day. I'm going to do it all the time. I'm going to do it consistently. I'm going to do it regularly. See, when it's what you do, it's no longer emotion to you. You're no longer having to emotionally work yourself up. Well, I got to do this. Man, I don't feel like doing this. Well, should I do this? You've already decided it's what I do. The decision that you make when you say it's what I do means that you no longer have to give mental energy to it. They say about Albert Einstein that if you open his clothes closet that he had seven suits that were exactly the same. When someone asked him about that, he said this, why do I want to use up mental energy on something that doesn't matter? See, that's what habits are. You need to figure out what you do. What do you do to have a successful marriage? What do you do to have a successful family? What do you do to maintain sanity as an individual? What do you do to be in a position where your ministry and your business are excelling? Once you make that decision, 
It's what you do. And no longer do you have to put mental energy into it and and mentally, well, should I do this? Should I not do this? Do I do this now? Do I do this later? You have already taken the emotion out of it. You've already taken the mental energy away from it. And when you learn it's what you do, it frees up so much emotion and it frees up so much mental energy. The next principle, don't let your ego outgrow your heart. Don't let your ego outgrow your heart. The adversary knows that in a successful leader's life, there are going to be moments where people are going to say things to them. They're going to look at them and give them credit for things they don't deserve credit for. They're going to look at them and give them Uh, moments of accolade that they don't deserve accolades for. But we get it. We understand that down here, people can't necessarily always give God who all credit is deserving and goes to. And so, what happens is we give it to individuals. And that's right. We want to give it to individuals. We want to let people know, hey, you did a good job. We want people to know that we're proud of them. But the thing is, is when people say that, you've got to be able to handle it. And you can't let the ego of look at me become bigger than look at him. And the only way you can stop your ego of deviating from look at me to look at him, is that you have to be able to keep your heart growing. Your heart has always got to be bigger than your ego. You know, I just don't know how to say it, even as I'm looking at this lesson right now. I don't know how to communicate that we have to talk to God more than we talk to anyone else, that we have to master what matters, and that we've got to be in a place that we don't let our ego outgrow our heart. And one of the things I always come back to leadership is this, is that you've got to understand no one is responsible for your soul but you. You've got to care for your soul. And you've got to make sure that your soul is in the right position and the right condition. So, don't let your ego outgrow your heart. The next one, integrity is seldom applauded. Integrity is seldom applauded. Let me add this, integrity is seldom rewarded. Here's the thing, integrity requires that you do the right thing even if it's costly. And what I can tell you in the world that we live is that integrity will always cost you. It will cost you things that other people seem to get. David would talk about it this way. He says, why why does the sinner prosper? Why does the person who doesn't care about God, why does he seem to be the one who, who seems to be doing well off? And what he was talking about, he is saying, I'm doing what's right. They're doing what's wrong. They seem to get ahead. Integrity is not always applauded by others, and it's not always rewarded. 
but do it anyway. Because the score's not kept down here. The score is kept in heaven. And one day, you will see the fulfillment of what is said in Proverbs, that integrity shall preserve you. That when the books are finally opened and all of the actions are reviewed, doing what's right will be rewarded. It may not be rewarded here. It may not be rewarded down here. But it will be rewarded by God. Integrity is seldom applauded. Do it anyway. The next one. I love this one. Dare to be bad. Dare to be bad. Let me just sort of break this down. There's a level of being bad that you have to be to one day be good. Let me put it to you another way. People don't succeed without failure. People don't succeed without failure. Let me give you an illustration. When I went to Bible school, one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to speak. I wanted to have a platform where I would communicate from. Now, here's my simple process. I figured if I was going to have a platform, then I needed to have something to say. So I set a requirement on me. Every day that I was in school, I would write a sermon. I still have the books today. Every day, I would sit down on top of any other work that I was given, and I would write a sermon. I would just write a sermon. Now, what I can tell you is those sermons were bad. And I can tell you that those sermons were really, really bad. But do you know what? All those bad sermons taught me how to write a good sermon. And so today, writing's one of the easiest things for me to do because of all those hours I would sit down with a sheet of paper, and yes, paper and pen was what I did, and I would begin to write something out. And as I would begin to write it out, people would begin to look at those things and shake their head and say, man, that is really seriously bad. But if you don't dare to be bad, you're probably never going to be good. And if you're not willing to fail repeatedly, you will never succeed continually. And so you have to experience the joy of failure. I've put those words together intentionally. The joy of failure. That every time you fail, you get a little bit better. Each time you get better, you sort of pin the thoughts down. What did I do to get better? And as a result of that, you create opportunity because you've dared to be bad. And if you'll keep doing that over a period of time and you'll keep learning, it positions you to get better. So dare to be bad. Another principle, wanting to be seen but not serve. In our society today, it amazes me how many people want to be seen, how many people want to be noticed. If you went to London, England, there's a place that is called Shakespeare's Theater, where they give plays repeatedly. It's been there since the 1600s. It's open air. 
It's a place with a stage on it, but it's awkward looking because there's a set of seats sort of behind the stage looking out. Now, these set of seats really are the worst view of the stage because you're seeing the back of the actors. But see, this is where the royalty would sit. And the reason the royalty would sit there was they weren't concerned about the play. They just wanted to be seen. And in life, when you want to be seen and you don't want to serve, you violated one of the most important rules, that the greatest of these will be the servant of most. God's more interested in people seeing him than seeing me. But so often in our society, we just want to be seen. So, you begin to create an environment of these unspoken rules. Let me give them to you. Talk to God more than you talk to anyone else. Master what really matters. Balance is a myth. Don't let your ego outgrow your heart. Integrity is seldom applauded or rewarded. Dare to be bad and do not want to be seen but not serve. All of those are unspoken rules. They are weaved throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they create opportunities for us to learn. So I want to encourage you that you would learn the unspoken rules so that there's never a mistake. Because mistakes of the unspoken rules come with great consequences. Again, if you would go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com, you'll see a lot of my resources and opportunities. If you want to be a part of the Breaking the 500 Barrier, you can sign up there. If you want to be a part of NTLC on the limited registration, you can call Katie Palmer. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.